Hi, I'm Suzanne Dudley, and this is the Power Up Your Sales podcast by Behavioral Sciences Research Press. In this episode, we're talking to our own Dr. Megan Quirk. She is BSRP's Director of Training and has been working with salespeople to power up their sales. Now, we're not experts at goal setting at BSRP, but having the right goals is so fundamental to improving sales performance in most cases that we find ourselves constantly having conversations with salespeople to help them really hone in on what's important to them. So we decided we would share what's worked best based on our experience. All right, so Megan, when I've heard people talk about sales goals, I've heard them mention 10 appointments per week, maybe 50 dials a day, meaning phone calls or reaching their quarterly target, things like that. But I understand that there's more to it than that. So what exactly are you talking about when you're talking about goals? Perfect. Thanks for asking. I think it's always great to define what we mean up front. So when I'm going to be talking about goals today, there's a lot of great definitions out there, and we're not trying to compete for any of the other great definitions or trying to say that any of them are wrong. But just when I refer to goals, I'll be talking about clearly defined prospecting goals, so very specific to the sales role. And what I mean by that is, overall, what can more prospecting get me that's personally meaningful to me? And that personally meaningful piece is really important because at the end of the day, it actually has nothing to do with organizational goals or targets that someone else tells you that you need to attain. And another point, too, is it's not necessarily financial. So although at the end of the day, we are wanting to earn more money, to get more money in our pockets, it's not just the money. It's what you can exchange money for that is the goal. So in that sense, the money is more of a means to an end rather than just an end in and of itself, because that money is linked to something that's personally meaningful. Every dollar earned is going towards meeting that bigger goal. And so the reason that we define prospecting goal this way or goals this way is that it really just works best from our perspective when we're specifically talking about sales goals or prospecting goals or making myself more visible in the marketplace. And it's important that it always stays linked to this prospecting piece. So once I have this destination in mind, this big goal that I have in mind of where I want to end up for myself, I can kind of work backwards to always make sure it's linked to prospecting. So I have this big destination. You know, I want to retire by the age of 65. How do I get to that destination? Well, I get there by doing more prospecting. So that way, each and every time I initiate contact or engage with a client or develop my business further, that's moving me one step closer towards that goal. It's all focused around something that's personally meaningful to me. Okay, so wait a minute. So are you telling the salespeople in our audience that they should just ignore their quota and the 10 appointments per week they're supposed to make and the 50 dials per day that they're supposed to make? Kind of. Okay. So sales managers, bear with me here. So what I'm saying is, yes, in a sense, if you're working for yourself or an organization with which you're well aligned, you'll be reaching for something far beyond their quota. Typically, the organization you work for is kind of like the car you're using to get you to your goals. 
you want a car that really fits you because you can get a lot further that way. But if it doesn't at some point, then you're probably going to shift gears and find another car. What we find sometimes, although it may be in best of intentions, some companies can end up setting stretch goals or sometimes even unrealistic targets that they may not actually expect you to hit, but they may not be telling you that. So let's say company X wants revenue to double next year, and you as a salesperson only manage a 50% increase, you might feel like you failed because you didn't meet this quota. But the executives are probably actually celebrating because a 50% increase over just one year is outstanding. And so what we find is that when you just focus on meeting quota, you're missing that personally meaningful piece. So what happens? I meet my quota. Yay. Great. What happens? Do I feel accomplished and fulfilled or do I just kind of have relief that I'm staying out of the hot seat and not getting in trouble? So when we're just focusing on quota, oftentimes it doesn't give us that personal meaning and satisfaction that kind of keeps us going on a long-term basis. Okay. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. So you're saying that um, no, you're not ignoring quota, but your your aim is something far bigger than an organizational quota. So that makes sense. So when we spoke before the podcast, you mentioned that there are a couple of characteristics of a good goal. What's one of them? So first of all, you want to make sure you have a real goal and not just a pipe dream. So it needs to be something that's actually attainable because what happens if it's not actually attainable you'll find that you may not actually make the steps to ever reach it because you realize that it's not attainable. So what we find out is, what we find best is, okay, I need to decide what I want, okay? I want to pay off my house, I wanna pay off my mortgage. Now I need to invest some energy in figuring out what I need to do to get there. How many more clients do I need to see? How many more calls do I need to make to reach that destination? But don't be afraid to dream. It's okay to have a big goal but just make sure it's realistic that you can actually attain it. And remember that you're not committed to it by law. It can change over time, especially if you're young, priorities may shift and what's personally meaningful may change. Also a really big thing that I see is don't expect all the change to occur overnight. So let's say, you know, I've sat down, I've decided that my goal is I wanna pay off my house um, in this many amount of years. Okay, so I need to be making 100 calls per week in order to do that. But let's say last week I made zero calls. I engaged with zero clients. I can't expect to go from zero to 100 overnight. That's really overwhelming and intimidating and really puts the pressure on. What we find helpful is to set some midterm stops along the way. So maybe week one, I up it to 25 calls, then week two, 50, et cetera, until I get to 100. And this can make the goals less intimidating, gives me the opportunity to actually want to try instead of just being um, intimidated and cower down because I don't know that I can ever reach it. And then the other thing it does is it gives us the opportunity to celebrate the small victories and realize that I'm changing for the better and lets me acknowledge that progress that I'm making. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So let me just reiterate and see if I understand. So if you ask me what my goal is and I say, I want to take my family on a vacation to Europe in June of 2025 with stops in Spain, France, Italy, and the UK. And you say, okay, that's fantastic. How do you plan to accomplish that? 
and I say, well, it's going to cost me $30,000 above what I'm already earning now. So I know I need to engage with 40 more people per month in order to make that happen. Then that's a pretty solid goal. But if you ask me what my goal is and I say, well, I want to take my family on a trip to Disney World. And you say, okay, that's a great goal. How do you plan to accomplish that? And I say, well, I don't really know. Let me check with my spouse. Then that's more of a pipe dream or perhaps even the spouse's goal and not the salesperson's goal. So do I have it right? Yes, you nailed it right on the head, especially with that last point too. In that second scenario, that situation is possibly something that's more meaningful to the spouse than it is to that salesperson that you're asking. And it's the salesperson that's putting in that direct effort in this case. And so it doesn't make much sense for it to be someone else's goal. In your first scenario, you also do a really good job of kind of bringing up some of these different components to the goal that we've been talking about but haven't really quite addressed. So the trip to Europe and the trip to Disney World in both of those situations, they're both targets. You have that destination in mind. The second component in our goals is the strategy that we've talked about. How many more people do I need to contact? What do I need to do to get there? So in your first situation, you tell me, you have, I need to engage with 40 more people for a month. That's the strategy. And that piece is missing in that second scenario. So not only is that second scenario more meaningful to someone else, but it doesn't have a strategy in it either. And then the last component that's really important is that you have to actually execute the strategy. We can plan and write goal statements all day and come up with, uh, come up with the proper strategy we need, but we have to actually do it. We have to actually activate and move towards it. Okay, so now we know we have a goal and not a pipe dream. What's another good characteristic of a goal that we should have in place as we're working on planning and figuring out what it is we want? Absolutely. When you're focusing on that goal, particularly that strategy piece, you need to make sure that the components of your strategy are within your control. So for example, the number of contacts initiated, that's something I can control. The messaging I'm delivering when I'm contacting those people, that's in my control. However, I want to avoid focusing on something that isn't within my control, like how many appointments I set in a week. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I have to stop you there. So like getting appointments, especially in sales environments where traditional prospecting is so fundamental, like that's how salespeople are evaluated. So how can my goal just ignore how many appointments I make? You make a great point and it does kind of seem like a double-edged sword there. And that is true. However, at the end of the day, you can't actually control how many people you talk to will make appointments. You control your messaging. You control how many people you reach out to. You control how often you reach out to them. And so I think we can maybe at least agree that you need to reach out before someone can schedule an appointment with you. So I mostly recommend focusing on the parts of the process you can control. Especially now that we're in the midst of a pandemic, there's a lot of economic uncertainty around us. And you may encounter more people who are less comfortable committing to buying your product. Oftentimes, managers seem to think they can simply demand that you get a certain number of people to commit. And it's not because they're bad people, it's because they're getting a lot of pressure to increase sales. But that doesn't change the fact that at the end of the day, neither you nor your sales manager nor your organization's CEO can simply demand that a prospect sets an appointment or buys a product. 
So tweaking your messaging might help, you know, making sure that what you're telling these prospective clients, it's clear that it's a sales call. It's clear what the next steps are to advance in the sales process. But I can't actually force that prospective client to do something that they don't want to do. And now I will say some companies might encourage sales or management tactics that are practically bullying, but we're, we're going to operate under the assumption that most companies prefer to employ ethical management and sales practices. Okay, so that's fair enough. Um, but then what should managers do? Because like you just said, um, they're not um, setting these demands uh, because they're bad people or they're mean people or they're unrealistic people. They're, they're demanding these things from their sales team because they're under uh, exorbitant pressure from their own bosses to turn in these uh, revenue numbers that uh, their managers and their bosses expect. So how can a sales manager support their salespeople um, and not quote unquote bully them uh, while still uh, satisfying their own boss? Absolutely, so my number one tip is to review the message that the salesperson is delivering. Is it clear what the expectations are? Are you moving the client towards the next step in the sales process or are you calling just to check in and talk? And when you go to kind of disentangle and look at the message a little deeper, this is where you may discover that some salespeople might actually be uncomfortable with some part of the sales process. So, for example, there are certain individuals that struggle with appearing too pushy or intrusive. So if that's the case, they may be telling you, you know, I'm making all these calls and no one's committing. And that's because they could be making all those calls in the world, but they may not actually be productive to the sales process because they're not guiding those clients in the right direction to actually purchase from you or make a commitment or move forward. And so this is where it is clear and necessary to review the message that they're, that they're conveying. Make sure that what they're saying is moving the client towards the best decision, which in your mind is working with you. And you can still hold them accountable and not accept excuses, okay? We're not saying you can't hold them accountable. The problem is when there's a demand for setting appointments, the insinuation is that they're going to get fired if they don't. But I would bet that you probably haven't fired them yet, have you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So sometimes what happens is that when we demand something, we're unintentionally setting up some dire consequences, which then makes this whole process something to be feared or more intimidating than it needs to be. And then imagine if you have a salesperson who is struggling a little bit with discomfort in the sales process, and now you couple those two things together. Now this whole act of calling and engaging with clients is so intimidating, it may actually be more counterproductive than you intended for it to be. Okay, so that makes sense. So we're not ignoring appointments. We're not ignoring revenue generation. We're just focusing primarily on the inputs that make those things happen. So how do I know if I have a good goal? Like, Is there a question I can ask myself or a way I can test my goal to make sure that it meets all these criteria? Absolutely. The main question, the first guiding question that I always suggest is the question of what is it that more money can get you that's personally meaningful to you? 
like we said, that can look like a variety of different things. And it may actually seem like it has nothing to do with sales. So I want to retire by this age. I want to send my kids to a certain school. I want to pay off my house. And so that end goal in and of itself, it just needs to be something that's personally meaningful. And then, like we said, we can work it backwards to say, okay, in order to do that, I need to have this much more money. And in order to have this much more money, I need to develop that strategy to know, okay, I need to reach out to this many more people per week. I need to do this many prospecting goals, goals, et cetera. So if you can answer that question and you have that strategy, you have a pretty good goal. Now, remember we said there's also that aspect of pursuit, actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So there may be nothing wrong with your goal if you struggle with pursuit. It could just be that your energy that should be available to pursue this goal is being diverted into something else either coping with all the change we're all experiencing right now, or like we said, maybe deep down, you're a bit uncomfortable doing the prospecting and engagement activities that you need to do in order to reach your target. And both of those things can definitely be fixed, but they're topics for another podcast. Okay, fair enough. So those are some great tips. Thank you for that. So one of our mantras here at BSRP is that everyone is in sales. So for people like you and I, so we're not necessarily in direct sales um, and we don't prospect in the traditional sense. So do we need a goal? And if we do, what does that look like for us? So first of all, absolutely, we still need a goal. Otherwise, there's no personally meaningful reason to do what we do every single day. And that can be a drain after a while. And what's important to realize is that personally meaningful goal may be the same as for someone in sales, because like we said, that end target or that destination in and of itself may not be directly linked to sales. It's the work we do leading up to it that leads it there. So even if I'm not in sales, I can still want to retire by a certain age, get my home paid off, send my kids to a certain school, go on a dream vacation, et cetera. What's going to differ is what that prospecting looks like. So maybe I'm not picking up the phone and cold calling 50 people a week because I'm not in a traditional sales role, but I can still ask myself the question, who needs to know me and what I do well in order for me to accomplish my goal? And so that's kind of how I develop my strategy and focus on that piece. So maybe it's that I need to attend networking events, company parties, give presentations, anything that I can do to ensure that those people come to know me and my gifts. But don't forget to ask them to help you get what you want, right? So we need to make sure that we are promoting ourselves, making ourselves visible in the workplace. That prospecting just looks different. And if you think that's a little taboo to kind of make yourself known and visible in the workplace or make, may make you seem self-serving or greeting, I suggest you check out our blog about call reluctance because there may be some underlying issues there that we can work through. Fair enough. Okay. So... So you're saying um, the, the gist of all this is that we need to focus on things that we can control, basically, um, and do them as often as we need to do in order to meet this personally meaningful goal that we've developed. Uh, you mentioned the pandemic. So let's say I had a solid goal, a solid strategy, and a solid execution plan. I was well on my way. The economy has now taken a hard right turn. There's nothing I can do about that. So what happens to my goal now? Great question. And this is a problem that salespeople and non-salespeople alike are struggling with um, across industries. 
What we have found is that this pandemic, at least in my experience with working with some of these salespeople, has had a big impact on the prospecting discipline and motivation. And when I say motivation, I kind of mean in my in this sense, the energy I have available for prospecting. So now our energy is being diverted to all sorts of different circumstances right now, you know, whether it be stress and uncertainty dealing with the pandemic, whether it's dealing with health issues related to the pandemic itself, having to homeschool kids, working for whatever it may be. My energy is now being diverted to all sorts of these different circumstances. And sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. So once again, let's focus on what we can control. And what we can control is that prospecting discipline. What we have found has been really helpful is to reserve times for your prospecting and client engagement activities. I don't know about you, but right now when I'm working from home, if something isn't on my calendar, it does not happen. Fair so, point. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't. It goes out the door. There's a million other things to do. So we find that you need to reserve times for prospecting and respect that time. And reserve that time when you feel you're going to have the most energy available. So maybe the prospecting time, it's not great for it to be late in the afternoon after you've had to deal with other distractions like homeschooling kids all day. The other thing we find is that make sure that these reserve time chunks are manageable. Don't expect yourself to be on the phone for two hours at a time if you've never done that before. Much like the goals and that strategy where we talked about kind of dividing it up and divvying it up, start with an amount of time that you're comfortable with and you can always increase over time. And then I will reiterate more than anything, celebrate the victories, no matter how small, as long as they're advancing us towards improvement. Did you make more calls today than you ever have before? Celebrate. Make sure you acknowledge the good change that's going along the way. And remember, Every single time you make this change, whether, you know, every single time you make a new contact, you do more prospecting, that is more money in your pocket to get you to where you want to be. Well said, Megan. Thank you for helping us navigate goals. For more information, go to www.salescallreluctance.com and check out our blog or click one of the icons on the upper left side of the screen to follow us on social media. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with a friend or a colleague. I'm Suzanne Dudley and this is the Power Up Your Sales podcast.